whether it's eating the right amount of protein, even if it's on a plant-based diet, right? Like the way you do it is less important than the fact that you, you satisfy this general print, universal principle of how our bodies exist in the world. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Gentleman's Atlas podcast, where we focus on giving you the tools and resources to become the hero of your story. I'm your host, Isaac, and today's honest and authentic conversation is exactly what you need to hear to live life on your terms. So without wasting any time, let's go ahead and get right into today's episode. And welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, gentlemen, to another episode on the Gentleman's Atlas podcast. Thank you all for tuning in today. Today is going to be a guest interview where I bring someone on where we can have a good, open, honest, and authentic conversation about self-improvement and about their area of expertise. Today's guest is someone that I've wanted to bring on because in order to live our best life, in order to live this life of self-improvement, we have to focus on several key areas. And one of those is the physical health. We can't be our best us if we're not optimizing our health in the sense that's good for our fitness, that's good for our minds, and that's good for our overall health. So today's guest is someone that talks about not only how we can get into our best shape, but as well as how we can make it sustainable, how we can make it suited and adaptable to our lives, as well as how personal development is correlated with this physical training of us getting better. Today's guest is someone that's genuine, who has been in the industry for a long time and isn't in it for the short term. They're in it to help people. They're in it to see change and they're in it to see real results from real people. So without further ado, let me bring on today's guest. Philip, welcome to the show. Hey man, Isaac, I appreciate you uh, welcoming on. Appreciate the respect. Great to be here. Well, Philip, the best way to get started is again, to let the people know a little bit more about your story as well as how you got to where you are today. Sure. I mean, that was a, that was a great introduction. And I think like a lot of guys listening, you know, I've been a desk jockey my whole life, right? I came up through a professional background in engineering, software engineering, um, engineering leadership, people leadership, uh, working with executives, working uh, a lot of hours. And health wasn't really a priority for most of my life, or if it was, I didn't really know what to do and how to do it effectively. Um, and so I came a lot to that late in life. You know, I, I didn't grow up with athletics or sports. I never even walked into a gym until I was in college, and I didn't spend much time in gyms throughout my 20s. Didn't know anything about diet, like many people, tried the fad diets over the years, and my philosophy was always, well, um, my genetics are what they are, uh, I look how I look, the best I can do is control my weight, and I'm just going to have to settle. Um, if we go back a little bit to when I was a kid, you know, I lived in Florida, I was active, but I had a typical... American family, American diet, you know, meat and potatoes, lots of dessert, lots of junk food, things like that. Um, heart disease, diabetes, and um, being overweight ran in the family. So I always thought of it as a genetic thing that I would have, just have to deal with. Um, going through high school and college, I wasn't in athletics, as I mentioned, and became an engineer, uh, was sitting behind a desk for most of the time, you know, pretty sedentary lifestyle. And I started dating in my 20s. Um, and of course the, the vanity aspect of fitness is always there, but there's all, there's also the aspect of self-confidence and self-worth and, and, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror and thinking, am I who the person that I want to be? Um, so throughout my twenties kind of struggled with weight, struggled with my physique and my confidence. And I did what most guys do. You know, you go to the gym and use the machines, the machines that have the instructions written down that you get to sit down and work out in a fixed range of motion with moderate weights. And you do a lot of cardio. Um, and I didn't really see any results from that. So fast forward to the end of my 20s. And uh, I was married at that point. We were going to have our first child. We have two daughters now. Um, I was going to have my first child, and I said, I need to finally get in shape. What am I going to do? So, of course, the big craze at that time was CrossFit. We're talking around 2010. Um, CrossFit, for all of its faults, you know, it's not something that I would recommend someone get into as a first method of fitness, uh, unless it's something you really enjoy or very competitive. It introduced me to three things, three principles or three tools that I use to this day that I think are important to highlight. The first one of those is the use of barbells. Right. I had never touched a barbell in my life. I maybe touched a few dumbbells, but 
I didn't know anything about this. And we can credit CrossFit, honestly, with uh, introducing lots of people across the world to both barbells and Olympic lifting. So I learned how to use a barbell, and to this day, it's one of the most effective tools and efficient tools, especially if you don't have a lot of time. If you're listening, you're like, I can barely find time to work out. If you want to get massively stronger and more fit, it's, it's the best thing we've invented as humans to do that. Uh, the second thing is the use of coaching, the use of a support structure, the use of other people to help you succeed in life. You know, I know you like to talk about the hero's journey, Isaac, right? And being our own heroes. And I always like to say that, you know, whether I'm a hero or not of my story, it wouldn't be for, it wouldn't be without the help of everyone else in my life, the other heroes in my life, right? My wife and kids, my family, my coaches, my support structure, who enabled me to then put in the effort that I put in and succeed. So coaching with something like CrossFit allowed me to be consistent, allowed me to learn about lifting, allowed me to make progress. And even when I didn't want to do it, gave me a little bit of that intrinsic motivation to do it. And then the third thing I learned from CrossFit, maybe this is the most important, was the idea that you can actually control your physical self. Like you can control your, you can master your body, your mind, you can do hard things and you can transform despite genetics, despite your history, despite what everyone else is saying, um, through hard work. Now, having said that CrossFit's not the most effective way to improve your body composition, physique, um, and overall strength and performance. So it took me eight years to figure that out. Um, fast forward to about 2019, I'm almost 40 and I talked to my coach Yes, I had a coach. I think coaches are great. Um, and he said, you know what? I've been telling this for years, but these boot camps and these uh, high-intensity classes aren't going to do it for you if you want to get uh, ripped, <laughs> if you want to get jacked and ripped, right, which was the goal here. And he said, let's, uh, let's do a strength program. So I started to really focus on lifting weights, um, heavy weights, lower reps, uh, not doing a lot of cardio. In fact, hardly any cardio at all, which was one of the big revelations that I came to late in life that you don't need much cardio. And I worked on that for about five or six months, got stronger, um, developed my physique a bit, but, uh, the lockdowns then happened in 2020, you know, the COVID lockdowns. And what did I have at home? I had a band, I had a, uh, a pull-up bar for my door frame and I had a few dumbbells. So I could have used this challenge as an excuse. Uh, but I like to see challenges as, opportunities to outsmart your obstacles. Meaning, um, if it happened once, it can happen again. So what are we going to do to change our situation to be successful in the future? Um, so I looked at that opportunity in 2020 to acquire uh, a home gym and I had to hustle for it because you couldn't buy anything in 2020. You remember that? Like you couldn't buy anything. So, you know, buying from guys out of their trunks, you know, in, in the, the parking lot, like <laughs> going to Craigslist and trying to find a bar and barbells in a rack put it all together, hustled. Um, and I also spent that downtime since I was now working from home to learn as much as I could about strength. And, and now I, you know, I've come to realize after many, many years, it took me a long time to realize it, that strength is indeed the foundation of everything else. If you could be stronger, you mentally and physically, um, it ups the capability in your life for everything else. Um, and we can get into that in more detail, but uh, I started to get stronger. I started to read books, um, get into podcasts, and um, just get a lot stronger. So to do this, I had to eat a lot, right? I had, I had to eat a lot, and I started to like drink whole milk and just like pound down the calories, and I didn't know what I was doing. So I gained a lot of weight. I gained muscle, and I gained a lot of weight, a lot of fat along for the process. Um, and that forced me to then focus on the next pillar, which was nutrition, Right. And, and, and I didn't even mention yet, Isaac, but I'm a nutrition coach. I'm a certified nutrition coach for those listening. Um, and what I discovered was that everything I knew was wrong for the most part, you know, intermittent fasting and low carb and keto and paleo and all these restrictive things that I had followed over time, uh, that never worked. were just not the way to think about it. Um, I started learning about flexible dieting and, uh, the, the value of protein and the value of sustainability. You mentioned sustainability intro, the idea that we can live in a way that serves our goals, that makes us grow, that makes us strong, um, that makes us capable and perform rather than thinking in terms of restriction and cutting and losing and getting thin and so on. So once I figured that out and, and that again took, took quite a while, maybe a year or so to really dial it in and go through a successful fat loss phase transformation. The first time I'd ever done that. So 
What I should mention is that I've always been either a little fluffy or skinny fat, I'd call it my whole life, maybe even a little overweight at times. And this was the first time in my life where I focused on building muscle and then I focused on losing fat and finally um, got to where I, I had never realized I could get in terms of physical transformation. So for people listening, you can do something like that in a matter of six, nine months. It doesn't take long if you do it effectively. Having gotten to that point, I wanted to share with the world all of this great information. So um, here's where the serendipity of life kind of converges, where the various things you do, Isaac, right? You pursue as much as you can. You hustle. Things start to come together. And I'm sure you've seen this. So for years, I had been struggle. I, I struggled with um, being an introvert and not being able to speak to people or, or present. And so I joined Toastmasters years ago, and I worked on that skill. And I got so, you know, I improved it so much that now I'm coming on podcasts and I have no problem doing this, um, maybe to a fault, like where I could just talk forever. So I took that skill, uh, and there was a project for my Toastmasters club that was to create a podcast. I said, okay, let me give it a shot. What am I going to talk about? Well, health and fitness. Um, so the two converged. I started my podcast, Wits and Weights, in late 2021. And then one of the people I met through the podcast, she's a power lifter. And she came on my show and at the end of the show, she said, you know, my nutrition coaching contract is expiring and I've learned so much from you in like one month of binging your show that I, that I learned my entire life. Um, can you work with me? Cause I really need help and, and not only help, but the education that you provide. So we started working together. I got my certification and I started working with lots more clients shortly thereafter. And I guess that brings us to where we are today. I love it, man. I do. Cool. And one thing that I need to mention specifically for anyone listening is to really listen like two or three times to that segment you just composed. Because to me, even what we do over here, that's kind of the person we're talking to because you're not the same as I. We definitely have different journeys. But these principles that you founded, these things that you found out about yourself, about how the process worked, it was customized to you. And I think a lot of times people think that what works for someone else is always going to work for us. And while I do also agree that the principles you mentioned would work for anyone, I think that that discovery part, you know, while it's important for us to discover things in our life, I think what you went through can definitely be consolidated for a lot of people. And I assume and would expect that you would do that for your clients. But I think the bigger picture is when we're building these systems, we have to get we come from different points, right? You went from introvert to now being able to speak more fluidly and openly. You know, I went from extrovert to being more introvert. Um, well, I'm still an extrovert, but like being more introverted in some occasions to listen more, to learn more, to learn more about myself. And so for me, the biggest component of what you just mentioned is there's so much excess that we all have in our lives. There's so many things we think we can add to make our lives better, but we both found what was more important and successful when we started taking things out rather than add things on. Like you mentioned with the CrossFit, like you mentioned with the cardio. And I think people also just... They want things to work because they want it to work. You know what I'm saying? Like they think like mm -hmm. cardio is going to work because they just like, I just want this to work. But to me, it's understanding even the basics. Like you mentioned strength as, as a principle, which to me is more important than, you know, just strength training. Mm -hmm. Because once you get that, you're starting to cut out the excess. Like, you know, just real quick to really bring up what you said. Cardio, most people think is to lose fat. Cardio just burns calories. Now to lose fat, you have to burn calories, but Building muscle and strength training does it in a different way that also helps you maintain a higher level of calorie burning. Now, there's a lot of specifics into it. In a book that, honestly, when you were talking, it reminded me of, I don't know if you've read it, but uh, Bigger, Leaner, Stronger. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, to I was going to recommend that as well. Yeah, to me, that Mike Matthews, is one sure. of the best ones for yeah. anyone to get started because it's not telling you work out seven days a week, two hours in the morning and afternoons. Like to me, if you want to get a basic system that really doesn't make you work out a whole lot comparative to the results. You can start a four day workout, 45 minute workouts and just focus on strength. And a lot of things change. So back to your point of just like, you're trying all these things and you're figuring out what's working. To me, the biggest component of it is what do I have that are my strengths and what do I have that I want to improve? And what are the things that are keeping me from improving? Because a lot of people think they have to like make their weaknesses like the strongest points. But to be quite honest, you know, you just want to get it to a certain level, right? You just wanted to have it so it doesn't hold you back. And another argument too that you brought up to me that is important with, you know, when you were going to have your first, your first child is what are the kind of things you want to be doing? 
Because if you want a certain kind of body, well, then you want to optimize strength training. But then it's like if you want to go play outside with your kids, if you want to go on hikes with your kids, you're going to need a level of cardiovascular endurance. So I mm-hmm. think it's also you got to you got to know where your end destination is. You got to know where the goals are because that's going to shape, again, the sustainability. Like I'm an intermittent fasting guy, but I used to lose weight not on an intermittent fasting diet. And I just like how it works better for my lifestyle, not that I just have to do it in order to lose weight. So to me, it's building, again, sustainable and flexible systems that work best for you, right? Because again, I've also, I tried this in a previous episode, I went vegan for a month. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to stay vegan, but for me, I did it for two reasons. One, you know, I'm working with a nutritionist and he's coming on the podcast. So it's going to be a really cool episode because he advocates for plant-based So I wanted a better background, but two, it also showed me like, again, we can all do different things to get the results we want, but we just got to figure out what works for us and really just stick it through and and make it sustainable so we can stick through with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot there, but principles versus methods uh, sticks out to me in what you're saying. Because, you know, as a nutrition coach, when I work with people, there there are definitely some methods that I suggest strongly that certain people do just because we're trying to get to a result, you know, as quickly and efficiently as we can. And they're overwhelmed, right? There's just so many things out there that they can do. But in the back of my mind, it always comes back to the principles. One of those being sustainability. And it's not just a buzzword. It's the idea that you can do something for the rest of your life and you can do it in different ways to achieve similar results. Or maybe if your goals are different, you're going to do different things, right? Different methods. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to principles. For example, if you tell me that you want to improve your body composition, which I think is most people want to do, right? And there are reasons beyond uh, physique that go to health and longevity um, and function where we want to improve our body composition. And there's two halves of that equation, right? There's muscle and fat. Well, I think most people know how to lose weight, which is generally how we lose fat, but most people don't know how to build muscle. And so the principle of strength leads to all the uh, practices, the daily practices, whether it is, like you said, training, whether it's eating the right amount of protein, even if it's on a plant-based diet, right? Like the way you do it is less important than the fact that you, you satisfy this general print, universal principle of how our bodies exist in the world. Um, and strength being one of those, because what does strength do for us? It lets us, it lets us express more force, which lets us put load on ourselves, which lets us build muscle. And that muscle is key to who we are as humans uh, and our overall health. Um, so kind of going, going off on that tangent with the strength side, I totally agree that the principles are what are important. Yeah. And even tapping in to something that you mentioned near the beginning of what you were saying, you know, strength comes in both mental and physical. But the key part that you mentioned right after that too is what to me stands out. And that's our increased capability. And so what I like to say to people, because people a lot of times, especially when you're starting out with self-improvement just in general, is this, things are going to get easier if I just get better. Things are going to become simpler. They're going to come more like naturally to me. But the truth of how life works is that as we progress in life, life gets harder. And either you stay where you are, so life just infinitely gets harder and you're just like, wow, this like this is way more difficult, especially the more and more responsibilities you get. You know, for example, you could graduate college and then now you gotta work for a living. And mm-hmm. then you find a person and you know, maybe they work, maybe they don't, but now you gotta take care of someone else or you have to file joint tax returns and this sort of deal. Now you might even have a kid, you get laid off. And so if you're kind of staying at the same level all of it becomes more and more overwhelming to the point where you're like, I have no idea what to do with my life. What self-improvement does is it increases your capability. And the easiest analogy is what we're talking about today is like strength training, right? A 225 pound on the bar, that doesn't get lighter. You just get stronger. So it may Mm -hmm. feel lighter, but in reality, it's the same weight it's always been. It never changes. What changes is you. It changes from you can never lift it to maybe you can do five reps, maybe you can do 10 reps, and you can do 50 reps. But the point is that with life, if we work on ourselves and if we build things, strength grows our capabilities to take on responsibility, to take on things. And I think the beautiful part about it is building the strength and seeing, you know, because it's not even until we look into the past and admire and have gratitude for how much strength we've been able to build to overcome the new challenges and obstacles that come our way 
So to me, to me, there's nothing more fulfilling as well as nothing more important than to build these kinds of strengths. So that way we can progress in our life. You know, one of my greatest examples and, and something that I love to think about is the example of progressive overload. So in mm-hmm. strength training, you have this little principle where every set you want to try to go up a little bit by reps or by weight, you know, and just try to do it as much as possible. Now, obviously you can't do it every time, but once in a while you're able to go up. Um, and especially in the newer phases, you can really go up and go up and go up. But with mental strength, it's usually the same thing. We don't want to let complacency just come in and keep us at the level that we're at. Because a lot of people improve for a little bit and then they're like, oh, I like this and they just stay. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing is the staircase, right? You just continue and it's like it's small steps. It's these small changes. But over time, you just start learning things and growing. And again, a small staircase, small, my, the steps may seem small. After 100, 200 steps, the progression over even just a year, right? You're up here and you used to be down here. And to me, that principle is one of the biggest things that we can all take away from from these kinds of thoughts. <clears throat> Yeah. And I think people don't, people underestimate where they can be in the future. Um, and this is why I'm a big fan of, you know, living as if you're already the person you're going to be right. Whether it's six months or a year from now, um, embodying that person and saying, okay, I am this person today. I just happen to not have quite caught up to that. And now I need to do what it takes to get there. Um, you know, when it comes to strength, whether it's physical or mental, you don't realize how far you've come until you look back, as you mentioned, um, there's something, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess profound, but there's another word about doing three sets of five extremely heavy squats you've never lifted before. Going into the gym and being telling yourself, you know, at first you're doubting everything. You're like, there's no way I can do this. I barely got it last time. How possibly could I do it? And you get into the bar and you're like, I'm not feeling great today. Uh, you know, I didn't have my pre-workout or, or I didn't sleep well, whatever. And then you just do it and you get it done, right? Then you take your rest, you do the next set, you get it done, then you next set. And I hear there's some clients all the time that I get started with strength, especially female clients. I know this, the audience is geared toward males here, so it doesn't really matter. But people who come in um, thinking that they're not capable or not realizing this concept of progressive overload and how important it is, and I tell them, you know what I want you to do? You're going to squat every session, and you're going to go up five or 10 pounds. Initially, it's like 10 pounds, and then it's five. Every session, we're talking three days a week, Okay. More, way more aggressively than even you suggested, um, Isaac, for those listening, this is something you can do as a newbie. And until you do it, you don't realize you can do it and then you do it. And I hear all the time from clients, it was so hard. I'm like, did you get the reps? Yeah, I got the reps. Okay. So you're going to go up on five, five pounds next week, right? Oh, but it was so hard. You're going to go up on five, five pounds next week. And half the time when they do the next workout, I was like, well, that was easy. And half the time they say, well, that was freaking damn hard again, but I still got it done. Um, so there you go. Yeah, man, I miss those new newbie games. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, it's it's always you. funny when I hear, when we talk about that stuff, cause it's just like, especially to the new people that, you know, haven't got tapped into much into weightlifting or it's been a while, you know, you have this period, usually it's about six to eight months where you can just go up every workout, you know, yeah. every set you're going up five pounds. So, you know, you start like, you never bench before. So you're doing bar then like, Three months later, you're doing like 135 and then 185 and then 225. Exactly. And it's just, it's crazy the amount of progress that you can get. But even back to the point of what we're talking about and correlating, again, the physical aspect with the whole self-improvement deal, what we also mention is a parallel reasoning to how life is. So many of us want to figure out this super complex system that's just going to magically be 100% effective and efficient in everything that we do, that it's going to work, right? We People try all the diets, all the workout plans. You go from CrossFit to high-intensity training to cardio to running to marathons to cycling. You try paleo, you try kaleo, intermittent fasting, because you're trying to find a system that's just going to magically work, that mm-hmm. it's just going to click into place and you're going to look like this amazing figure for the rest of your life. And in life, when people want to improve, they do the same things. They try these 10, 15, 20 different courses. They hire 20 different coaches. They go on all these retreats. They read all these books. But the answer's always been in the simplicity. Something that you mentioned about just going to the gym and doing three sets of heavy squats, it's a fundamental, right? It's simple. The connection is simple, but because it's so powerful yet simplistic, that's why it works, mm-hmm. right? Something isn't beautiful because it's complex. Something's beautiful because it's simple. That's why we admire artwork that 
doesn't have all these stuff going on, right? The, the most beautiful art pieces aren't just splatters of paint going in every which direction. It's something simple, controlled, curated, yet powerful and open to interpretation because simplicity doesn't have one perspective. Complexity can, right? It can be, this is how it is because it's so complex, it has to be described <clears> in one way. But simple things have various ways of looking at it, various adaptations. And so to me, it's just like in fitness and in life, we have to cut out the excess and we got to go back to the fundamentals that get us to where we want to be, right? You don't need to be going to the gym for three hours doing cardio on the Stairmaster if you want to have a good muscular build because you're not going to get there that way. But you want to believe it that way. So you kind of keep forcing this narrative that just doesn't work. So again, it goes back to the point of how can we just cut out the excess? How can we cut out the things that aren't adding value? And how are we prioritizing the simple values in life that maybe don't seem as, you know, fun or as like crazy, or we think they might not work, but even though they may be hard, they're still very simple in nature to do. I think you hit, I think you hit it on the, the head with, by saying, even though they may be hard, because I think a lot of those systems, um, which sell really well are complex in, and they're distractions from things that are hard, right? Like, because there are so many steps to follow and so many things to do, you, you feel like the action itself is going to produce results when the action tends to be a low effort, uh, level of action just happens to be very complex. And I like to say that, you know, if we're going to have a growth mindset, if we're going to change, what's the root of change, it's effort. It's, it's a catalyst, right? And actually putting in hard work and effort is going to get you there. And it can be bare bones, simple, but because you're doing it, and putting in the effort, that's how you're going to get the results. So again, working with um, nutrition clients all the time, we have to strip away all that complexity and it ends up being very liberating. You know, we start looking at um, principles again. We say that, what do we need to do to feed our muscles? What do we need to do to feed our performance, to feed our hormones, to feed our health? And it's those things that are important. It's not you know, cutting out this, cutting out that, including this, this specific food, this specific recipe, this meal timing, all of those things. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you're hitting it to this point where we really need to talk about this one thing, which is how are we like, because a lot of people get so caught up in the small things and the small picture that they just forget the big picture. So to me, it's this like analogy of like, if you have like a funnel, right, you have like the wide part that captures everything. And then you have the narrow part that drips down. And a lot of people, they're focusing so much on like trying to make the, the funnel like 1% wider that they fail to realize like the bottom part's really what's handicapping. So my example of this is people that really, maybe they are disciplined enough to get into strength training and they start going five, six times a week, but they sleep three hours, four hours a night. Mm -hmm. So that while they're trying to optimize getting a little bit better each day in the gym, they're missing out like 50% of their gains and even how they feel is even worse because they're not getting enough sleep. So a lot of times when I work with people personally, I always make sure two things, you're getting enough water and getting enough sleep first. Because with, you know, like, so it's these big things where it's like, we want to inch out this like percent more of efficiency in like one aspect, but we're so narrow minded that we forget like, well, the big picture involves, you know, you have fitness, you have your health and you have nutrition, right? So it's like, if you're not getting enough water and sleep, well, this is going to severely make a, like a deeper and narrow funnel, regardless of the other two. If you're getting both of these, but you have five sodas, diet sodas a day, and you're eating only fast food, well, then these really aren't going to work. And so to me, it's also thinking about how are we just, because again, you mentioned it too, like with the complex systems or a distraction, are we getting distracted from the things that actually matter and being holistic in our approach to where we're blinded to the things that we need to be doing? Because again, like we've mentioned, the systems that you build are sustainable and sustainability comes from optimizing to an extent each region. You know, there's something called the Pareto principle where mm -hmm. it's 20% or 80% yeah, of the outputs come from 20% of the inputs. So what if you, instead of trying to maximize and spending, you know, 80% of your time trying to maximize the 20% of the very top of one of these regions, what if you just spent 20% on each region and now you just have 80% <clears throat> maximization? And so to me, it's this, it's this analogy of you can live whatever life you want to live. But to me, when I'm thinking about, especially you as, you know, you have your kids now. And I mean, I, I want kids eventually, but I'm also at a point where I'm pursuing a lot of things that I find meaningful. 
I don't want to be spending four or five hours a day trying to optimize the last sliver of fitness. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be thinking like, oh, I got to get my my food in 30 minutes after my workout. I got to take my shake at every four hours. You know, I got to have seven, eight meals a day because to me, it's more important of what do I need to be getting? Okay. Large amount of protein, great amount of water and enough sleep. And I need to work out one, you know, one, one hour, one and a half hours a day. Yep. And, and to me, like, again, that's a point you can get to, but to me, I don't think about it outside of that, right? To me, it's like in the moments I'm working out, I make sure I have a good workout system. I change my workouts every eight weeks, but I'm able to have so much more time to focus on everything else while still getting 80% of the results from only 20% of the effort. So to me, it's like people really just miss out on this because we want it to be easy, but we can make it feel easier as long as we just increase the, the output right? It's just by maximizing efficiency. That's how it's going to feel easier because every other way, it's just going to confuse you to make you think it's easier, but you're never actually going to get any results. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great point too, right? Cause I talked about effort and working hard, but at the same time, I'm one of the laziest guys around in that I like to find hacks and shortcuts and automation for everything. <laughs> like I'm an engineer. I came in a software background. Um, even when my, even my coaching systems, it's like, how could I, I'm always trying to reduce the amount of time it takes me to do things so I can serve clients more. And you, you touched on a few things. So first, the analogy of the 80-20, there's a couple more analogies that come to mind. One is the the big rocks versus the small rocks, right? There was a, a famous TED Talk where uh, the gentleman had the, the container and he had big rocks, medium rocks, and sand. And if you put it in the wrong order, you can't fit everything in the container. But if you start with the big rocks and then you go to the smaller rocks and then the sand, everything can fit. Uh, similarly, the pyramid, an idea of thinking of this as a pyramid, there's the muscle and strength pyramids and the nutrition pyramids by, I think it's Eric Helms, um, 3DMJ guys. Also, I think, uh, what's his name, uh, from ripped body, Andy Morgan has, has a pyramid of nutrition and a pyramid is a recurring theme because you can start from the bottom and work your way up. And all of these, these pyramids or ideas have in common is that if you can't do something sustainable, meaning something you can do on a regular basis and stick with. None of it is going to matter. So that's first. For example, if your workouts are just not fun at all and so you never do them, no matter how hard or easy they are, pick something more enjoyable that's less optimal that you're going to do. And that's that's like the big priority. But then you start working your way up the pyramid. And like you said, sleep, stress, hydration, protein, training, movement. Right there. Those are like the six big things that I usually talk to people about. I say, don't worry about timing. Don't worry about your intro workout. Don't worry about even how many fats and carbs you have. I don't care about that as much as I care about the protein. Um, once you could nail those down, like you said, you've got the 80%, then it's up to you. You know, are you an athlete? Are you really trying to, are you trying to, um, you know, get shredded, right? Are you trying to compete in a powerlifting competition, whatever, then your specific goal may dictate, um, optimality as we call it. But for people listening, like don't make it complicated. If you start from the big things, it actually is easier in that perspective. And then you put in the hard work with those simple things. Yeah, no, it's funny because I, you know, analogy comes to mind. There's this movie and this talked about a completely different industry, but it was called the big short came out in 2015, talked oh, yeah. about the real estate crash. But one of the examples was one of the, one of the moments where they were talking about how to insure against the, the crash and make money was, and this guy was in the gym and he was selling this product, right? Credit default swaps. We don't have to get into that. Mm -hmm. But he made this analogy when the guy called him because he was going to buy. And he said, how are you screwing me? And he said, I'm not screwing you. I get a bonus off selling all this stuff and I'm giving you the ice cream sundae, right? I'm giving you the fudge, the bananas, the, the ice cream. But sure, I'm taking the sprinkles and the, and the whipped cream. And when, if this works through, I'm getting the cherry on top. And all of us are focusing on trying to get this cherry on top mm -hmm. and we're missing out on this entire Sunday that's available if we focus on the essentials rather than the top peak thing, right? You know, like you mentioned, like we're adding, we're trying to focus on this one thing that might add only one, 2% because it looks so enticing because mm -hmm. it gives a different kind of character and we're missing out on this entire Sunday that's here for us to take. And so it brings me to this point, again, going back to this. When you focus on the fundamentals and the essential components of what you're trying to do, not just in fitness, but in any endeavor, you're going to get a lot more progress done. And it's a lot harder for us to do it because, again, we're always looking for optimization. So many things we just like we want to fill our glass up because we see all the sand we can pour in. 
And we just think that we can just get the big rocks later, but we'll have a system in place. But in reality, it's just kind of like slowing down and filling up our space and our time because we're so focused on the small things. And not to say that the small things don't matter, but if you haven't got down into the core of the big fundamentals, the small things won't matter, right? If you're trying to optimize fat loss for someone that already weighs an ideal weight and they're at 10% body fat, but you're at 25, 30%, those things don't matter as much, you know? So, so to me, it's mm-hmm. always bringing back that relevance of where am I, where am I trying to go and how far am I on that journey? Because again, it's true. If you, you know, if you're someone that's already at 10% body fat and you're already slimmed down and you look the way you want to, well then yeah, you might want to optimize like, oh, the aesthetics of my shoulder are a little small, so I might optimize for that. But if you're someone that's again, overweight and you're at 30% body fat and you're not looking how you want to, optimizing your shoulders really isn't your priority in that moment. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're looking at way too small of a picture for <clears throat> way too little of the change that you actually want. So I think it's also putting in a perspective of how are we allowing our ego in a sense and wanting to like do these certain things because we feel it's right, clouding our judgment from doing the things that are actually going to make this kind of monumental change that we're really after. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot there again, Isaac. Um, yeah. All I can think of is how there, there, there are two aspects when we want to, we want to change. We want to go through personal development, at least two that I can think of at the moment. And one is the information and one is the, the action. And, um, a lot of people know what to do or maybe they don't. Right. So, so let's, let's take it back. Right. A lot of people don't even know what to do and that's where education and podcasts and having a coach and things come in to play. But a lot of people do. Um, and even when they know what to do, it's a matter of, um, keeping it simple and keeping it to the principle so you can do it every day and not having that all or nothing mentality. Like all or nothing mentality comes in two flavors. One is your day doesn't go perfectly. So you give up for the week, right? I see a lot of people do that your day, you know, you screw one thing up and I'm a failure and I give up for the week or more in line with what we were talking about. You're trying to do everything at once. You know, you're trying to change your sleep, your training, your walking, your protein, everything all in day one. And uh, one slip up causes you to give up again. So I think I think all of these are, are excellent mindset perspectives. Isaac, at the end of the day, it's what can you do to be consistent and adherent, right? And what truly drives results. And because the people listening are short on time, they're busy, you guys are hustling, right? You might have your own business, um, don't have a lot of time. The idea of sticking to these principles and doing and simplicity is actually the solution to this, right? Rather than cluttering it up with all of these small rocks. Um, so I, I like to think of it in that perspective, um, like training, for example, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to train seven days a week, right? Less is sometimes more. So I don't know if we want to get into, to a blueprint or strategies or anything like that at this point. Yeah, let's do this. I'm going to, I'm going to say a basic strategy that I would do. And then okay. you're going to give one of yours. Um, and so we'll kind of like see, you know, what are the like comparisons as well as like, what, what are some sure. of the things cool. that we maximize? So to me, especially with strength training and you're starting out to me, it's three or four days. You can, you, at, at that point, I think you're getting enough of both worlds. So three to four days of strength training and really you can get 45 minutes to an hour each of those days. Um, three to four days I would do full body, um, push or pull. So that would combine kind of the legs aspect. So maybe, so let's say you, you have the weekends and then you have the week and let's say you're really busy in the middle of the week. So maybe you do one of the days of the week. So you do maybe Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then you could either do Saturday or Sunday. Um, or you skip the middle of the week because you're so busy and you might do Saturday, Monday, and Friday. To me, you take that and then you just kind of alternate one day's full body push one day's full body pull. You focus on what we call compound movements, which again, use lots of different muscles, not just one. So right, you don't want to be doing bicep curls if you're trying to do weight loss. So you maximize compound movements. So on your push days, push involves moving something away. Again, pull involves something pulling towards you. So push would be something like you would do barbell um, bench press, and then you would also do barbell squats. And to me, Again, you're maximizing the strength aspect because strength is going to give you a lot of the results because it's going to build muscle, which muscle is going to help burn calories. It's going to help you stay fit. 
and it's going to help your bone structure and help you lift more weight, which the more weight you're starting to lift, the more muscle you can build, the more you can optimize your fat loss without really thinking too much about it by just focusing on gun progressive overload. So back to the sets, each set, I would do one warm up, um, no cardio, one warm up of each warm up is one set, 10 reps, about 60% of your max. So if you can max out, if you can like put two 25s or a 25 on each side of the bar, warm up slow, 10 sets with the bar. Then you do four sets, four to six reps. If you can't do four reps with good form, then you go down in weight. If you can do six with good form, then you go up in weight. So that's a progressive overload aspect. So you do that with both exercises. You first do the uh, bench press, then you do the squat, and then I would target a little bit higher. So with the push, I would do then um, overhead press. So barbell overhead press, same idea with the reps and sets. And then I'd do one more of legs, whether you can do, you can change that one. Um, I would do leg press starting out, but there's some other ones that might be more beneficial for some people. So four total exercises, 45 minutes to an hour. And I also stress that between, not with the warm up set, but between each individual set of heavy lifting, I would rest for around two minutes. Because if you really want to maximize like the amount of, of weight you're going to be pushing with that heavier load, you want to rest a little more. So I would rest two minutes between each of those sets besides the warm-up set, which I just rest for a minute. That's the whole workout. You don't need a warm-up before or cool-down after. Just warm-up before each set. So that way your body's kind of primed for the weight. Then with the pool, same concept with everything else. I would just change it to barbell deadlift. Um, I would do pull-ups near the end, but I'd do deadlift first. Then I'd do bent over rows with a barbell. Then I would move um, into pull-ups. That's the fourth one. And you wouldn't. you would probably just want to go for how many you could do. So I wouldn't actually just do the warm-up set. I would just go five sets total. Um, and if you can't do a pull-up straight up, either use a resistant band to help you or use the assisted pull-up where you can use weight. And I would just try to get as many as possible and go up where you're not using weight if that's where you're at. So those are three. And then last one for legs, you know, you can kind of change this one. There's somewhere like it uses cables. Um, so for me with the deadlift, it already targets legs enough but you can also add barbell Romanian deadlifts. Uh, but me personally, I like to add something else with back. So I might do a different variation of row, like a T-bar row, um, for example. But that to me would be it. I'd alternate. And then to me, it's also focusing on get as much sleep as you can. That's good for your body and drink enough water. And then over time, you can start doing some diet changes like just try to cut out soda. And then so for me, it's like the week by week process. But I'd say cut out soda first. Then you cut out um, maybe like candy or any sweets um, and then try to maximize protein. So just try to get a little more salmon in, some chicken in, some beef in. So that's kind of like my starter package for anyone starting out. Cool. All right. So we're going to have some differences, but it's not. I'm always going to go back to the principle of if you can stick to it, um, everything you just said could work perfectly fine. You're going to get stronger and and, and awesome. Um the program I like to use is based more on the, the starting strength model where it's extremely bare bones, extremely almost boring, let's call it, but very effective and doesn't take much time at all. Um, and I have a little bit of different philosophy on rest periods and warm-ups than you, I think. So I'm going to go over those right now, and then people can have a couple things to think about. So I would train three days a week as well. I wouldn't even do four for a beginner. Uh, I would just do three, get the whole weekend for that extra recovery day. You know, you should be eating enough and sleeping enough. I would do squats every day. I would do, uh, alternating presses every day. So shoulder press, bench press, shoulder press, bench press. And I would deadlift every session at first. Um, once a deadlift gets heavy, I would alternate the deadlift with another pulling movement, uh, a vertical pulling movement, uh, chin ups. I like because they work more of the biceps, especially for guys who want bigger guns. Uh, chin ups are going to work more of the bicep and still engage the lats. Um, later on you can add in rows and other accessory movements. In my opinion, uh, even leg presses and machines and things like that. I wouldn't do, I personally wouldn't do any of that initially for like the first three to six months. And so it, it's, it's basically pretty simple. Three sets of five squat, three sets of five press, and then one set of five deadlift. Um, just because it's so fatiguing for the central nervous system and, you know, overall systemic fatigue, you need to recover from it. You're going to go up and wait every week. You're going to do sets across. So Isaac talked about, uh, double progression effectively. We're using a rep range and you stick within the rep range. You go as heavy as you can. And then as soon as you can get to the top of the rep range, you increase the weight um, or you increase the weight every week until you get below the rep range. There's a couple of different ways to do it, right? Mm -hmm. 
I, w- I would suggest keeping it simple. Sets across, three sets of five for the, the squat and press, one set of five for deadlift, and then just go up in weight every week. The amount you go up in weight is a critical variable on your ability to do it. So initially it's going to be bigger jumps, then it's going to get smaller and smaller. The use of two and a half pound plates and micro plates eventually is important, especially for something like the overhead press. I like the low bar squat. So if you guys want to look that up online, look at the low bar squat because uh, it engages the most muscle mass. Um, I like the standard strict press rather than the Olympic press personally because um, it really uses the shoulders more. And then for the um, the bench is the bench. And what else? Chin-ups. Chin-ups, I like uh, taking your chest to the bar. So don't just put your chin over the bar. Actually pull all the way up to your chest. It's the bar. So that's for form. For rest periods, I would recommend more like three minutes uh, between sets and maybe more as you get heavier because the goal for me is not to keep the heart rate up or or push the muscles to failure like you would in a rep range scheme, but to get all the reps. So every week since you're going up, it is going to get so hard that you are pretty much close to failure, probably two to three RAR reps in reserve once it gets really heavy if you're jumping the correct amount of weight each week, each session. So three to five minutes rest is not uncommon. And if you were doing multiple sets of deadlifts, it could be even more than that, but we're only doing one set of deadlifts to start. Uh, what else? Rest periods and then warm ups. Um, you talked about like 10 reps and then I think another four or five reps, right? At a slightly higher weight. Um, I like to do, Uh, I like to do a little more of a laddering scheme, like five, four, three, two, one, and then hit it. But honestly, either one's going to work. The idea is you don't need to be doing spending 10 minutes doing a dynamic warm up or like running around the building a bunch of times like in CrossFit we used to do that. Just just go with the weight and then from a time efficiency perspective you can do a couple things. If you're doing if you're going from a leg movement to another leg movement, you're probably already warmed up. Um so you don't have to really warm that warm up that much on the second movement. Also, something like squats and presses, if you've got a rack with multiple bars, you can warm up the presses while you're doing the sets on the squats. So for guys trying to save time, you want to cut it down to like 45 minutes or even like 35 minutes, um, go for it. Now, as you get stronger after two months, you're, the numbers are going way up. You're going to need more rest periods. It's going to take longer in the gym. It could take an hour. could even start taking a little more than that. Once you get to the intermediate level, which is where your lifts are starting to stall, then I would move more to like a four or five day split. I like power building programs where you've got the compound lifts plus accessories for bodybuilding and working your back and your, your arms and, you know, developing your legs and so on. I think I, oh, and then the nutrition perspective. So you mentioned cutting things out, which is, which is an interesting approach as, as, um, as a nutrition coach. Um, my philosophy tends to be, uh, flexibility where uh, I don't, I don't ask clients to cut things out, but I do ask them to add things in. And once they start adding things in, it tends to crowd things out. <laughs> if that makes okay. any sense. So like protein, all right. Protein has a ton of benefits and a lot of, a lot of this people realize, but there's some that they don't. So, you know, protein is the most satiating macro. It fills you up, right? Protein burns more calories than the other macros. Um, Protein, of course, is effect is essential for building muscle and retaining muscle. But protein also, think about this. It's hard to get enough protein and not do it by eating mostly whole foods. Think about it. If you go to the grocery store, you go to all the snack aisles, almost no snacks have protein. They all have fats and carbs. To get protein, you have to eat real food. You have to eat meat. You have to eat eggs. You have to eat dairy. Um, you have to eat plants. Right? Even if you're vegetarian, you have to eat a lot of plants. You can't be eating processed foods because you're just not getting your protein. So I have clients that will be like, well, I used to drink a lot of Coke, but damn, I need my protein. So I'm just going to have a whey shake instead of my Coke. You know, you kind of end up changing behavior in that way. Um, And I think, I think we covered sleep already. So there you go. Solid. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Some things I'll say about that is like, yeah, I'm usually since I think yours I think the big difference that I think we both saw is like yours is a little more on the strength side, if not just a decent bit more, just because you're focusing on like, again, people talk about, it, but the three big compound lifts are going to be your squat, your deadlift and your bench press. And then the fourth one that really comes after it is the one you mentioned, which is the overhead press. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, both of those, I think to be frank, yours would probably for someone that really just wants to start getting results quickly, the strength part of it is going to be better on your side because, again, it's more of a strength optimization. But I think that's a bigger catalyst. Um, and I do think you're right, like with the rows, like they're nice as well as the leg press, but it's going to be a little more aesthetical than actual functional. 
Um, and then to your point about rest periods, I do think it's very important because with mine, maybe you're not, if you do two minutes, like two minutes is a great starting point, but I think when you're really trying to maximize, especially after you start losing kind of those newbie gains and you're starting to like realize that the weight increase might take a little more, more effort, you want to go a little bit higher from that. Again, that three to five rest period is really important. Um, but now what I'd actually like to do is now that we mentioned the starting, I would like to get to know yours and I'll also talk a bit about mine. So why don't you go ahead and talk about what you currently do in terms of your weight training? Or your cool. Yeah, no, actually, I rarely get an opportunity to talk about my own <laughs> training program. That's a good one. All right. So I like to periodize my training, just like I periodize nutrition, meaning I don't do the same thing for years on end. Uh, I switch things up every, I'll say three to nine months, depending on you know how much I love what I'm doing and what kind of results I'm getting. So I'm actually just finishing up a six month block coinciding with a six month building phase. And I'm estimating I might've put on five pounds of muscle. I'm like an intermediate trainer. I have a lot of potential left. Um, I'm not like the guys that started in their twenties with the hyped up on their own testosterone. I wish I did. Um, but I didn't. So, you know, it takes me a little bit more time and I'm an older guy, so I need a little more recovery. So what I've been doing for the last six months is a conjugate style or West side style program. So people want to look up Westside. It's a lot of fun to like watch videos about, um, oh man, now I'm forgetting his name. You know, Isaac, who I'm talking about, uh, Westside, who's the guy? Ah, well, anyway, um, these are like, uh, roided up equipped power lifters from back in the day, right? Like from the, I'll say seventies to nineties, they were really big. And, you know, taking all that out of the equation, the actual style of, of programming is very interesting because it's geared around testing your max constantly. So testing your one rep max or your not necessarily a personal record, but like what's your one rep at that moment twice a week, upper, upper, lower and doing it every single week, but rotating through movements. So you never overstress and under recover a particular movement. So what do I mean by that? Okay. It's never a good idea in my opinion to go for a one RM back squat every single Monday. Like that is just going to stress you out. You're, you're going to start falling behind. You're going to get overtrained, I think, doing that, assuming you're at a pretty strong level already. But if you do your back squat on Monday, you test a 1RM, and then the next Monday you t you 1RM a front squat, and then the next mon Monday it's a, a safety bar squat, and then it's a pin, you know, a, a, what do you call it, paused pin squat, mm. then your body, it's because you're giving a little bit of a different stimulus each time, you're able to recover just enough to test that 1RM. So Monday and Tuesday, you, you're one RMing your lower and upper body and then throwing in some accessory movements, which is the fun side of it, more with bodybuilding stuff. Um, you're still, you're still training really hard, right? Like heavy and hard, uh, anywhere from a four to six or eight to 12 rep range. Some, some is a little bit higher than that. If you're doing like rear delt pulls or something. Thursday and Friday is dynamic effort. So Thursday and Friday, you're basically working on bar speed and volume. So you're going to back squat, you're going to deadlift, um, both those days and you or your back squat bench and deadlift Thursdays and Fridays every week, but you're doing it at like, uh, 60 to 80% of your max for volume. You know, we're talking like 10 sets of three or eight sets of four, things like that. And that maintains your, your strength through the week. It also gives you a form of cardio in a way. It, it helps with your conditioning and your uh, capacity. Um, I hardly, do, I don't do any cardio. I, I walk. That's my cardio. So that's it. Just so people know. Um, and I can easily keep fat off and I can get as lean as I want doing that. Um, now, so my training is wrapping up with that. I'm going to move into a cut. Uh, in the new year, right? Like I like to time my nutrition with the holidays. So I'm bulking through the holidays and then I get to cut and going into the spring, right? That's a good way to do it. So for a cut, here's a lot of people misunderstand when you're losing weight, when you're losing fat. Um, you don't want to start increasing the volume and think like, Oh, I need to do more volume and more reps because that's going to burn more fat. It's actually the opposite. You need less volume because you have a lower ability to recover, right? You have less nutrition coming in. Your sleep is a little more difficult to come by and so on. And you need to keep the intensity really high. And by intensity, I mean the load on the bar, right? So I'm going to switch to a three-day, um, real basic, heavy, light, medium barbell program where Monday is a heavy day, Wednesday is a light day, Friday is a medium day, and I'm just doing... Um, three or four movements, but I'm doing them at triples and doubles for the most part. Right. And I scale up the, I scale up the percentage of what my one 
1RM for like three or four weeks in a block. Then I reset for the next three or four weeks and then reset for the next three or four weeks. I do that four times for about 16 weeks. And so that keep, get, that gives my muscles a really high signal to maintain themselves basically um, because of the lower nutrition coming in. And the idea is that I want to hold on as much muscle as I can, lose as much fat as I can in 12 weeks and get shredded. So that's my programming. I like it. That's solid. Um, let's get into mine. So I basically have like two that I follow. So I call them bodybuilders. We use this too, but I call them on cycle and off cycle. Um, so off cycle, usually I'm just like, I'm focusing a little more on just like other aspects in life, but I want to like kind of have it to me. It's more of like a holistic thing. Like I think of more of like being in nature and stuff like this with this one in my on cycle is a little more like just a little more optimization in my opinion, but it takes a little more focus in the gym. So currently I'm on my off cycle. My off cycle is a full body split. So Sunday, so weekends, I say they're, they're, um, active recovery days. So I try to work out at least an hour every day. But when active recovery days, I make a conscious effort to do something outside of the gym. So sometimes I like to do boxing. Sometimes I do like a sport like volleyball or soccer or basketball or whatever. Or I go for a walk or I go for a run or I go biking or I go, you know, something that's outside the gym that gets me to do something different. That's what I usually do on the weekends. So I don't allow myself to do like the normal weight training on the weekends mm -hmm. just because I want to kind of balance my, my lifestyle a little bit. And then with the off cycle, I do the full body split. So Monday, I don't, I alternate, but I don't like switch every week. So some people will say like, if you do five days, well, then the next five days would be like reversed. I just keep it the same. So Monday's full body push, Tuesday's full body pull. And that's like the cycle that repeats throughout the week. And then the next week starts again with full body push. Um, with the exercises, I do two heavy sets, two moderate sets, and two light sets. So heavy for me involves the actual warm-ups. So I have one that, like, I have the bench and I have the squat. So I do warm-ups for each of those, and then I do the four sets. And then with the moderate and light, since I've already done the heavy stuff, I don't warm up. I just go straight into it. The moderate is four sets, six to eight reps. Again, progressive overload involves the, re the rep range thing that you mentioned. If I reach the top of the rep range, I go up and wait. As long as I can do the bottom of the rep range with good form, I keep the weight, again, doing that. So moderate, four sets, four, uh, six to eight reps. The light sets, eight to 12 reps. Um, so again, two, two, and two. I rest a little more on the heavy. Um, again, I do about two, three minutes. And then with the moderate and the light, I usually rest between 30 seconds and a minute. Um, so that's a little more training on hypertrophy. Um, I can't even say it. Hypertrophy. Hypertrophy, um, yeah, yeah. That I maximize for. And then... I've only been doing the off cycle for a little bit. I was mostly on the, on my normal cycle. The one that I've used and that I personally love, like I, I've tried other things, but I always go back to it, man. I just love my push pull legs. Like to mm -hmm. me, the PPL mm -hmm. split, I think is one of the best in my opinion for most people. Um, I think it's simple, it's effective and it trains bigger muscle groups. And it also kind of lets you build whatever kind of body you want to push pull legs. I rest on Sunday, right? You know, you got to have your day off. Um, and then, the rest of the week, again, push, pull, leg, push, pull, leg. Um, and with those, was a little bit more. So I usually, it wasn't about like, it, so now I'm usually doing about an hour, hour 15. Push, pull, legs was about an hour and a half each of those six days. And then Sunday mm -hmm. was like completely off. I usually, I mean, I would go for a walk if I wanted to, but I would never call it active recovery. Um, and then my, just to put in perspective of why I do what I do, to me, I'm all about this like functional aesthetic. I really like the classic style of, of lifting. So I think about like, the Greeks and the Romans with like their golden ratios. So to me, I want my body to be like aesthetically how they had it, right? So you have your V taper, you have your wider shoulders, slimmer waist, but big legs. But I never want to be the guy that's just like, oh, he looks a certain way and you get in the gym and I'm over here benching <clears throat> the bar and, and I'm only like lateral raises are five pounds because I'm like trying to look all aesthetic. So for me, it's all about maximizing the strength behind the aesthetics right you know like that with the like with the older times like the spartans and stuff like these these guys you know they looked a certain way which looked great but when it came to the actual function they were incredibly strong so for me mm -hmm. it's also like maximizing the strength <clears throat> while looking the way that i want to look so that's kind of my overall aesthetic and then it's cool too because what we've been talking about like i don't even look at cardio as a way to lose weight i just look at cardio as like i want to be fit when i do mm -hmm. certain yeah. activities so to me, it's like sometimes I'll do that cardio balance so I can, you know, spend time with, you know, kids that like, you know, that my friends might have or, you know, nephews and stuff like that. So to me, it's really just 
that kind of perspective that I have on it, that to me just maximizes this holistic lifestyle of like being fit, feeling fit and looking the way I want to look. Yeah. Yeah. I want to touch on like three principles that, that are common to both of us. So people understand, um, the first one is the idea of aesthetics and bodybuilding and shaping your body. You know, people have it often put the cart before the horse, right? They start doing isolation movements to improve their physique and yet they're weak. And so you can only push so much of those movements, but even worse is you don't have the overall strength and stability to support those movements effectively. So you have a greater chance of injury, right? Like don't do barbell curls. If you've never done any lifting before do chin-ups, do, uh, deadlifts, even deadlifts are going to stimulate your biceps. Like nothing you've ever imagined. I mean, deadlifts will stimulate your whole posterior chain, your lats, your traps, you know, of course your legs and then your biceps and your whole arm chain. Um, so do that and do chin-ups. And then when you get really strong on those, guess how many, you know, how much weight you're going to be doing with barbell curls. It's going to be a lot more. Um, so people, people have it backward. And if you look at the big bodybuilders uh, over time, like they're all super strong. Uh, and then they use that strength to further develop their physique. Um, the second thing you mentioned about cardio, I totally agree. And in fact, the, the program that I'm going to do now, it involves a lot of speed work where you take very short rest periods, like 45 seconds, uh, between the lifts. And, and you're effectively building your work capacity that way. So I'm kind of getting two for one, if you will, where my heart rate's like 140, 150 for, you know, 20 minutes doing a lifting session. So people can get pretty conditioned doing that. But if you want extra cardio, um, do something either fun or, you know, do something effective like uh, short hit workouts or pushing a prowler, you know, something that doesn't um, make you too sore or interfere with your recovery from lifting, but still burns the calories to get your heart rate up. And then there was one other thing, Isaac, you mentioned, Oh, and then the other thing is going back to beginner versus intermediate. So I, you know, we're probably more intermediate lifters, intermediate to advanced lifters. You know, we don't need the stimulus of a back squat every other day. And in fact, that might impede our recovery. Um, whereas a new, a beginner can recover very, very quickly from one session to the next. So when you hear Isaac say he does push pull legs, you said six days a week, right? Yes. Uh, so you're, you're hitting legs twice a week. Um, you know, my program, whether I was doing the four day program that, that I was doing or the three day program, I'm hitting legs at least twice a week as well. It's just different configurations. Mm -hmm. And one of those is not as stressful from a load perspective as the other. And I'm guessing with you, the push pull legs, it's not like you're doing heavy squats on both leg days, right? Well, I am. And just to interject real quick, I think it's also going back to the point of this, it has to be relevant to us. Yes. My way of optimizing recovery is to ensure that I'm getting quality sleep. Because again, I'm at a younger Mm -hmm. age. So my recovery is a higher period. Um, You know, I'm just saying like- Shots fired. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, respectfully. No. Um, To me, it's also like recognizing like, what's my recovery legitimately at? Because I know if it was taking more of a toll, I would need to take it down. And I know a lot of people that- Take like they're like they're a couple of years and they've definitely seen diminishing recovery. They might do like like you probably what you're about to mention. Like they might do one where it's like really heavy, and then the other one they're like they're slowing down the range, right? They're they're getting this they're getting this movement slowed down. The weight's a little lower, and they might go for a little bit higher reps just to like really work on some more endurance as well as like give a little more recovery for the heavy stuff because it does take a toll on the mm-hmm. nervous system. So to me, again, it, like to me, recovery, which is why I can do like, even with the off cycle, like I'm working out every day, just not lifting every day. Right. Um, but like I'm getting like, just to put in perspective, like eight, nine, nine and a half hours of sleep. Cause I know that if I don't get that, I'm not going to be doing well in the gym and it's not going to be effective for me. So that's my way of optimizing recovery. But again, like you mentioned, like you really got to know how your body responds yeah, because sure. if you're working too much where you're not recovering, a lot of it's just going to be going to waste because people don't also get this. You tax your muscles when you're working out, but you don't build muscles when you're working out. Your muscles right. are built when you're sleeping and so you're getting the healthy yeah. growth hormones. And more importantly, you're getting the protein and the hydration you need because mm-hmm. without that, everything you do in the gym, yeah, you might have a cool limit that you can be doing in the gym, but none of it's going to carry over to actually how you look. And in fact, a lot of times it can be a pretty big detriment if you're not focusing on the things that, you know, actually benefit your health and your well-being. Yep. Yeah, they're all, it, it, it is, that is a holistic way to look at it. Yeah, I, I'm often asked like, what's more important, nutrition or strength? And I say, well, what's more important in a car, the engine or the gas? Yeah. Right? Like you need both. And when, when I say, when I say nutrition as a coach, it's, 
everything. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah. it's sleep, it's stress, it's because they're all stressors on the body and they all affect your physical being and your physical mastery going forward. So yeah, you're right. On an individual basis, the recovery is important. The heavier and the longer you've been lifting and the older you are, um, the more time you like likely need between certain lifts. And there's clever ways to get around that, like the conjugate style, like heavy, light, medium, like doing back squat one day, but then hitting leg press to kind of give the stimulus the next day, which is easier to recover from and so on. Yeah. Yeah, cool. absolutely, man. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I'm glad we were able to. Yeah. To I didn't know it would go this direction. It's, it's awesome. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, to me, it's, it's important to not only hear the information, but also see how it's applied. Cause I think, all the time we hear like, oh, you know, do this, do that, do that. And it's like, what, what are you doing? Well, I'm not really doing that. You know what I'm saying? So to me, advocating for what we believe and then actually doing what we believe, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like everything that I progressed on was pretty much through push-pull legs. Like I had been doing push-pull legs for about 80, 90% of my journey. And it's gotten me to where I am today, right? Like I built all my muscle on it. I lost all my fat on it. I felt better on it. So to me, it's also it's always put into perspective of like, listen to people who have results that you want to have that live that lifestyle and they feel a certain way and do the things they say they do. Because to me, like it always goes back to this point of like, you gotta, you gotta do what you preach. Like to me, it's very funny if Mm -hmm. you're preaching one thing and you're living completely differently. So I think me and you both can relate to, you know, this isn't just research. This is, this is applied research. Both of both me and you have done all these things for years of what we've been teaching. And to me, it's so important to not only have that, but to then, you know, take that information and build a system that again, sustainable for each individual. And that can really help us not just lose weight for a year, but build a life that we can lead for the rest of our lives and be healthy and happy and fit and look the way and feel the way we want to feel. So to kind of close it off, what are your closing messages for the people as well as where can people find you at? Yeah, I mean, I guess the closing thought would be, you know, we're all human. We make mistakes and we all learn. And to have that open growth mindset, like Isaac was saying, we, we, we walk the walk. But I also I put my content out there and my information out there and show people all the mistakes and, and missteps I make along the way because we learn from those. Um, and you're not going to do everything exactly like everybody else. <clears throat> but you can learn from their principles and, and what they've learned and sort of stand on the shoulders of giants like we all try to do. So that that's the closing message is be open to that growth and learning process and, you know, listen to what Isaac's saying, follow the resources, soak it up, you know, go for the hustle, put in the work and, and follow the principles. As far as where you can reach me, I would say go to my website, witsandweights.com or subscribe to my podcast also called Wits and Weights and you'll be able to get to me a million different ways uh, in the modern world. Thanks. Sounds good. And then my closing takeaways is, again, always put into perspective what the end goal is. If you don't know where the journey want, if you don't know where you want the journey to lead you, the journey really doesn't have any meaning. Because while we get meaning from the progression towards our goals and through the journey, a journey has a route. It's going somewhere. And maybe you don't know the definitive place, but there's always things that we want out of life or principles that we can stand on and build upon. And so to me, it's always putting in a perspective of how is what I'm doing going to get me closer to the goals? And then also always realizing that life is a marathon, not a sprint. We are building this for the long-term success, not for any short-term endeavor where we're going to be too tired to continue on our path. Gentlemen, you know how we close it off. Wink it, quisa wink it. He conquers who conquers himself. That's all for today's episode on the Gentleman's Atlas podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and share this episode with someone who needs to hear this message. If you are serious about taking your life to the next level, visit our website, www.thegentlemansatlas.com for all our services, previous content, and full episode transcripts. We greatly appreciate your support, and we're excited to see you in the next episode.